Chapter 8 of Ten Common Trees. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kimberly Sawson. Ten Common Trees by Susan Stokes. Chapter 8 The Little Walnut. Once upon a time, there was a little nut. It lived in a greenhouse upon the top of a high tree. Figure 1. The house was a sticky affair on the outside, and had neither door nor windows. Still, it was cozy and warm, for, as you see, it had a tough husk for an outer wall. Next to this was a bony shell, and clear inside was the little nut. Figure 2. There were two rooms into which its two leaves fitted. Their walls were crumpled, and the little nut pressed out just as far as it could, and filled all the crannies. This little nut was five months old, for it had arrived upon the tree in May. Now, if you will look at a walnut tree in May, you will find it has made ready a great many homes for nut babies. They don't look just like the full-grown house, first, because they are not any larger than a grain of rice, and second, because they have two top knots. Perhaps we had better call them chimneys. Here is a group of these nut houses. Figure 3. You can find them in the tip of a branch just after the leaves unroll. The round part is sticky, but the chimneys are hairy, and if you look very closely, you can see that they have been dusted over with a yellow powder, and there is a slight frill at the neck. Figure 4. I have sometimes cut down into the house through the chimney, and found where the grains had made their way through the chimney into a little room at the bottom. In the little room was an egg cell. When the pollen grain reaches it, the little egg cell wakes up and begins to grow. It grows and grows until it becomes the kernel of a nut. I think you would like to know where the little pollen grain, the walnut's fairy prince, came from. It was probably carried by the wind from another tree, although we find both stamens and pistils on the same tree. It came from a queer little flower that has thirty or forty pockets full of gold dust. The little flower doesn't look much like a flower. It seems to be a little shelf holding eight or ten little stamens, each of which has four pockets. Figure 5. The little shelves grow in clusters in tail-like catkins. Figure 6. There are from twenty to forty flowers in a catkin, and a very great many catkins on a single tree. The catkins do not grow in the tip of the branch, but stand out from the sides farther back. They are always green in color and disappear after the wind carries away the pollen. They were very different from the little nuts high up in the tree. The little nuts kept on growing. The winds rocked them to and fro. The rains washed their sticky walls, and the mother tree kept adding to the food supply in the little leaves. By and by October came, and with it a high wind, which whisked our nut, house and all, down into a corner. But the same wind also carried the leaves about and covered the nut with a warm blanket. Then the clouds gathered and the white snow fell. The little nut slept under the snow, but when the ground froze deep down, it cracked the nut's shell. After a while, the nut awoke and began to use the food the mother tree had put in its leaves. It was thirsty, too, and was glad to drink the melting snow. So it ate and drank and began to grow. The two rooms of its house became too small for it, and it pushed out a tiny root, 
which turned into the ground. By and by, the little root was so busy getting water, and the little nut was so busy using it, that a long green sprout sprang out from between the two leaves, pushed through the old leaves above, out into the sunlight, where it opened out into a green leaf. It was a long green leaf, made up of many separate leaflets, a great many pairs of them. Then it put out another and another, and you could see that it was going to be a walnut tree. If you would like to see one like it, look under the walnut trees in the spring. Figure 7. After the young tree had put out several leaves, it took a rest, and when October came, I found it with a hood on the end of the stem. The hood was made from leaves which did not grow long, but which remained short and dark. These were the bud scales, and they covered the winter bud. Then it dropped the leaves it had put out in the spring, and passed the winter as a bare twig. In the spring it dropped the bud scales, and made some more green leaves, and then again it made a winter bud. Each year it added a few inches to its height, and a few leaves to the ends of its branches. Each year it added a layer to its bark, and made new winter buds. So it became a tall young tree, with strength to spare, and in the spring it fashioned houses for new nuts and catkins which should shed pollen dust. Just as the mother tree had stored food in its seed leaves, it now stored food in the leaves of its own seed children. The tree grew tall and beautiful in its forest home. Its umbrella-like head was lifted some sixty feet into the bright sunshine. Its plume-like leaves waved in the breeze for a hundred summers more. And then there came a change. On the edge of the forest there sprang up a little town. The hum of the sawmill frightened away the birds. By and by the land was all cleared, and the daisies plowed under. And the tree? I suspect it passed through the sawmill. THE WALNUT FAMILY The walnut tree whose story I have told is the American black walnut. It has been so highly valued for its beautiful dark wood that the forests, once very abundant in the Mississippi Valley, have almost entirely disappeared. Fortunately, it is now being planted and cultivated for future use, although it grows very slowly. It is distinguished from other walnuts by its long leaf, with 15 to 23 leaflets, its dark wood, and the nut which is nearly black with sharply cut ridges. The white walnut, or butternut, is also prized for its wood, which is reddish in color, but not so desirable as black walnut. It has a shorter leaf with from 9 to 17 leaflets. The base of its fuzzy stem is shaped like a horseshoe. The nut is oblong and pointed at the tip, and the kernel is much valued. The English or European walnut is frequently cultivated in the mild portions of the United States. It has short leaves with 5 to 9 leaflets. Figure 8. The thin-shelled nut separates easily from the husk when dry. They are common in the market. The hickories are closely related to the walnuts by their leaves, flowers, and nuts with a bony partition. They are separated from the walnuts on account of the husk. The husk of the walnut is continuous, of one piece. The husk of the hickory opens by four distinct valves. The shagbark, or hickory, is a tall, spreading tree with bark which breaks away in long strips and has light-colored wood. The leaves have usually five leaflets, which are several inches in length. 
The nut is thin-walled, whitish, and slightly flattened. The big shell bark has a larger leaf with from seven to nine leaflets, which are downy on the underside. The young twigs are slightly orange-colored. The nut is larger and pointed at both ends. The pecan is the species found in the south. It grows to a greater height than the northern forms. The leaves are longer, with from nine to fifteen pointed leaflets, and the husk is thin, with yellowish threads. It opens by four valves, dropping the nut, but not the husk. The nut is oblong, about an inch in length, smooth and thin-shelled. The kernel is sweet and of excellent flavor. Reference Seed Babies, Margaret Morley Nuts Falling, Foster, in Child's Garden of Song Succession of Forest Trees, Thoreau End of Chapter 8